Some notes, some reports about Tennessee's 2024 football schedule have surfaced this week. What's it kind of look like when you all throw it together? Nothing official from the SEC just yet, but we think we kind of figured it out here. What's that schedule look like in 24? I'll tell you what I think here on Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome into your Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Thanks so much for being here. And a big thanks to Price Picks for bringing us today's episode. And uh, you can go to pricepicks.com slash college and use the code LockedOnCollege for our first time deposit match up to $100 daily fantasy sports made easy. Got a fun show coming up. Um, again, ESPN's Chris Lowe. Uh, put out three games or reports in terms of what he thought three games were going to be for the University of Tennessee in 2024. Of course, we already knew of the four non-conference games, those dates and all that. Awesome Price, my colleague at BallQuest.com, put out uh, later on a Monday night that uh, Tennessee is supposed to play this team and this team. And so when you kind of put it all together, you get a really good idea of what that 24 schedule is going to look like. And, of course, sometime in the month of December, you know, add it to the wacky, silly season that it is, the SEC is finally going to announce what that schedule is for every single opponent. But we think we cracked the code here, and that's coming up in segment number one. Segment two, transfer portal targets. Tennessee, where does it need to look in the transfer portal? Which position groups need help the most in segment two? And then, of course, Josh Ward in segment number three. A uh, whole lot of fun to get into today, and let's go ahead and get started. So, again, it was Monday evening, and, and you guys know I, I have a work schedule and a workflow, and typically I record an episode. Um, I, I don't wait. You know, I fir- my first year doing the show, I would wait till like 7 or 8 o'clock at night, and I would record the episode for the next day, and because you, you don't want to miss anything, and, and I get all that, but the older you get, and um, you get married, and, and you have other things you've got to do, or you're not going to be married anymore. <laughs> you start trying to get all this stuff done by the time the wife gets home. Making the wife to be out a bad person here, certainly not trying to do that. Uh, nobody tell on me here, but um, I had already had the, the episode canned and ready to roll, scheduled and ready to roll before you know these reports came out. So uh, during the month of silly season, I'll probably have a show ready to go. And if something happens at night, I might try to jump on here if I'm available and do a quick little video just to get it out there. But uh, here's kind of what it looks like. ESPN's Chris Lowe went out and, and uh, you know, reported several key marquee games for the Southeastern Conference in 2024. And of the games that he listed, Chris Lowe had three Tennessee Volunteers games in there. First is going to be September 21st at Oklahoma, which we've had a pretty good idea, you know, for the last couple of weeks that Tennessee would begin SEC play on the road um, at Oklahoma, and of course, storylines galore there with Josh Heupel going home. Uh, first game for Oklahoma in the Southeastern Conference against Josh Heupel, a team that let him, or a quarterback that led him to the national championship. Um, you know, and we we had a good idea that that's kind of what that was going to be. But Chris Lowe reported that on Monday, a part of uh, two other games for Tennessee, Florida on October the twelfth, and Alabama on October the nineteenth. So Chris Lowe reporting Tennessee will begin SEC play on the road at Oklahoma September twenty first. Florida, October 12th at home, and Alabama, October 19th at home. And that Alabama game is consistent with the third Saturday in October. And so that is that is uh, good to see. My colleague, Austin Price, over at VolQuest.com, put a report out later that evening that said, along with 
um, the reported gains for Tennessee from Chris Lowe of ESPN. Here's also what I'm hearing about two other contests um, for Tennessee in the uh, season of 2024. Awesome Price put out at Arkansas. And of course, back in June, the SEC said that, hey, we're going to do eight games in 2025. Here is everybody's opponents for home, for away, and then we'll tell you what the schedule is later. So again, we already knew the opponents, right? Also, Price goes on and says, hey, at Arkansas, at Arkansas, October the 5th, and at home against Kentucky on October the 26th. Okay, and so Austin Price also said that unlike most years, there will be two bye weeks for the SEC this year, which is splendid. I, I remember, I mean, there's been a couple years like that. It's been it's been a while, but as a content creator and as a person who makes a living covering college football, I love it. It's another week full of a, it's another week in football season to where the numbers are going to be popping, and uh, that's a whole lot of fun too. So. That's what Austin Price said. Of course, Tennessee had already released non-conference dates for their non-conference football games in 2024. UT Chattanooga, August 31st. NC State and Charlotte, September the 7th. Kent State, September 24th. And UTEP on November, November 23rd. And you would only assume that that's going to be homecoming. So when you kind of push all this together, if you will, and again, where I don't have a chalkboard, I don't have anything, I'm kind of writing these things down as I go, it kind of looks like this, where you have a general idea of all the opponents and when they're going to fall on the calendar. You just don't know when exactly the dates are going to be for a home game against Mississippi State, on the road at Georgia, and on the road at Vandy. You do know those games, according to these reports, are going to be in the month of December or the month of uh, November. So here's what it looks like when you put it all together. August 31st, week one, UTC at home. September 7th, well, that's week two on, it's, it's a neutral side game against NC State in Charlotte. And again, that's why you you don't want to put Tennessee and NC State in a bowl game together because you're going to play them in week two next year. Week three at home against Kent State, September the 14th. Week four at Oklahoma, September 21st to begin SEC play. SEC game number one on the road. Welcome to it. Homecoming for Josh Heupel. You better hope no Stoops is in town because Josh Heupel don't like that. Um, get your popcorn ready. It's going to be fun. And then the first of Tennessee's two buys, we believe, will come after that matchup against Oklahoma. So Tennessee will play four games. UTC, neutral side against NC State, home against Kentucky, or home against Kent State. Those are locked in. We know for a fact those are going to happen. Chris Lowe's report about playing at Oklahoma September 21st, and then that kind of settles in here with a bye on September 28th. Why? Because Austin Price reports on October 5th in week 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, which would be game 5, Tennessee will be on the road at Arkansas. Chris Lowe reports October, the next week, October 12th, Tennessee will be at home against Florida. Chris Lowe reports the next week, October 19th, Tennessee's home against Alabama. Austin Price reports October 26th, the following week, Tennessee's at home against Kentucky. So it would make so much sense that the following week be that second bye. Why? Because Tennessee has three straight home games, and the games you have left on schedule are Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Mississippi State. You would believe that Vanderbilt is going to be, if everything stays consistent, it would be the final game of the season. Don't know that for a fact, but you would think that they'd be the final game of the season. So let's go ahead and put Vanderbilt at the bottom of the schedule right now. Okay, These are ones that haven't been reported. This is 
but we're just walking through it here on Locked On Balls. Let's put Vanderbilt down there at the bottom of the schedule, November the 30th at Vanderbilt. So that leaves at Georgia and Mississippi State. Well, you also have another bye week in there. It would make sense to plug in a bye on November the 2nd and then to break up those home games, go to Georgia on November the 9th. You also think the bye makes sense because you're coming off a, a brutal three-game stretch, though it's at home, against Florida, Alabama, and Kentucky. And then do you really want to schedule the Volunteers to go right, turn right around go on the road the next week against Georgia? I think the bye week makes sense there in November the 2nd, then at Georgia November the 9th, and then that would simply put Mississippi State at home on November the 16th with UTEP, which would likely be homecoming, already scheduled for November 23rd, and then that would leave at Vanderbilt for November the 30th. Again, about nine of these games have already been reported, whether it's been from Chris Lowe of ESPN, my colleague Austin Price of VolQuest, or the games that are already out there on the schedule for the non-conference games. So we're just kind of putting those puzzle pieces together. If this is what it looks like, schedule in order, UTC, NC State neutral site, Kent State at home, uh, at Oklahoma, bye. At Arkansas, home against Florida, Alabama, Kentucky, bye. At Georgia, home against Mississippi State, home against UTEP, and then at Vandy in the regular season. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, I, I like the schedule. I do. You get some cupcakes. Well, I mean, you get a challenge week two. You get a challenge week two against NC State for sure. But you sandwich that around two cupcakes in UTC and Kent State. On the road at, at, at Oklahoma, bye. Coming back at Arkansas, and then three home games against Florida, Alabama, Kentucky, like that stretch, by at Georgia, Mississippi State at home, UTEP, and then at Vanderbilt. I like the schedule. I really, really do. Will this be exactly what the SEC releases here in I would a matter of days or weeks, right? Sometime in the month of December, SEC, get with the program. We will find out. But from what's already been out there from the university about the non-conference games, from reports from Chris Lowe of ESPN, and from reports of Austin Price Fall Quest, we can kind of piece it together and we can kind of see what this schedule is going to look like. The only things we don't know for certain here are the dates for the Vanderbilt, Georgia, Mississippi State, and the second bye. But again, as we just did moments ago, if you kind of put it in here and put in these algorithms here, and uh, let me get my pocket protector and my glasses, if Vanderbilt stays consistent with being the last game of the season, you break up that strand of three home games with a bye and then you go on the road to Georgia, it would just make sense for Mississippi State to be that final piece of the puzzle there on November the 16th. Schedule talk. Can't wait to see what that schedule is going to look like in 2024. And again, we should find out in a matter of hopefully days, sometime in the month of December, or whenever the SEC decides to get it in gear. What do you think about the schedule? Let me know at Locked on Balls and at underscore Kaner. When we come back, transfer portal targets Tennessee should be looking at in terms of positions. That and a whole lot more coming up here on a Wednesday show. Do you want to tell you about our friends, Price Picks? Price Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Easiest and most exciting way to play DFS, just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than your two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. All right, I've had so much fun winning 25 times my money this football season, and now I can play during basketball season too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats, and place your injury. 
entry. Plus, with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from three different sports or leagues. Also, you like playing celebrities? There's a community tab right there where you can take on celebrities over at Price Picks. Plus, you want to check out that reboot policy that's going to protect you from injuries as well. Go to PricePix.com slash LockedOnCollege and use the promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PricePix.com slash LockedOnCollege Promo code locked on college for an instant deposit match up to $100. All this surprise big. All right, guys, welcome back into your Wednesday edition of the show. We got Josh Ward for a little Ward Wednesday coming up in segment number three. Um, had fun talking about that schedule. That just gets me fired up. Here we are just a couple days removed from the end of the regular season. Still have a bowl game left to go, so we're still going to get some football, but already looking ahead to what 2024 could present. And, uh, you know, we just have nine months to go, guys. So <laughs> buckle up. It's going to be a fun offseason, and it will be right here on Lockdown Vols. Uh, also, because Transfer Portal News, um, the, the portal officially opens on December the 4th. What position groups does Tennessee need to target the most in the portal? I do. Um, I've got a, a, a top five list that I've written about, and I want to share it here on the show. I'm going to start with honorable mention, and then I'm going to go in reverse order five down to one. Honorable mention, what about a kicker? Why not a kicker? Chase McGrath came over and gave Tennessee two solid years of kicking the football. Uh, did he have the longest leg? No, he did not, but he was consistent. He was good, and obviously it made some big kicks. Remember the Alabama kick, the uh, beautiful knuckleball that he kicked through the uprights that beat the Crimson Tide in the 2022 magical season. Uh, Charles Campbell comes in from Indiana. I was excited from him because I was talking about on this, this show last year, man, he's made several kicks over 50 yards in his career. And so that that excited me. Um, he was over. Um, he didn't kick a ton over fifty five yards. I think he was like over three, over four, and he ended up missing one. I think he was perfect for like the first eight or nine weeks of the season. That kicks fifty yards and in, and then he missed a couple towards the end of the season. But again, overall, he was solid. So Tennessee's found great production from kickers in the transfer portal. Why not go that route again? I mean, on roster, you have Josh Turberville, who handled kickoff duties, and he did kick uh, one field goal, 33 yards against UConn this year, and it was good. Um, he's an, an option on on the table to be your field goal kicker. He did a really good job on kickoffs. You also have JT Carver, who's kicked one extra point and made that extra point back in the 2022 season. Uh, you have Max Gilbert, who's a walk-on kicker, who was a freshman this past year. Not a whole lot of experience on your roster, though you do have options so it's worth looking at a kicker in the transfer portal potentially. Number five, working down from five to one, is defensive back. We'll find out, you know, there's a couple of different position groups that will have COVID seniors deciding on what they want to do, and defensive back's one of those guys. What we do know for sure is that you're losing Kamal Haddon, you're losing Jalen McCullough. Potentially, you could bring back Wesley Walker. You could bring back Tamarian McDonald, Danico Slaughter, Gabe Judy Lolly, Brandon Turnage, and Warren Burrell. Will all those guys' shoes return? I doubt it. But you could see all those two, all those guys return if things, you know, really, really went Tennessee's way. Um, you continue to look at, you continue to look at the position. Jordan Thomas, you saw flashes from Andre Turrentin, Will Brooks, Ricky Gibson. But do we really know exactly what Ricky Gibson's bringing? Or Jordan Matthews, John Slaughter, Jack Luttrell, some of those freshmen that really didn't play an awful lot? You have numbers. And honestly, you're going to have a lot of experience because I do think some of those seniors are going to elect or come back. But 
how good are you? This group still needs to get better. So why not go out and get a guy to throw into the mix, a guy or two, a corner or safety, and, and see what happens. You don't think Gabe Judy Lolly made a difference this year? He started nine games. He started nine games for Tennessee, and he was an addition to the transfer portal. So I think number five would be defensive back. Probably depending on how hard you hit get hit with these COVID seniors, probably corner because I think there's more safety bodies on this roster. Walker, McDonald, Slaughter, I think, is a safety body, honestly. Uh, Jordan Thomas, again, uh, these are spring questions and, and things we can dive into over the offseason. Number four is defensive line. Again, what does Amari Thomas, Omar Norman Lott, Elijah Simmons decide to do? I don't think all three of those guys will be back, but I could see two of those guys back. I feel better about Amari Thomas and Elijah Simmons than I do about Omar Norman Lott, but we will see what happens. We do know that Karat Garland and Roman Harrison are gone from this group. You do bring back a steady force of Bryson Eason, Dominic Bailey, Tyree West, James Pierce, Joshua Josephs, David Hobbs, and, J and uh, Caleb Herring. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about from those freshmen that got their toes wet this year. Defensive line's in a good group, but Rodney defensive line is in good shape. But Rodney Garner plays 10 guys a game, so why not go out and get more or less an interior presence? Because you feel good about what you have on the edge with Dominic Bailey, Tyree West, and then on the other, that's like five technique. And then on the other side, James Pierce, Joshua Josephs, Caleb Herring. And so I think you need another tackle body. So. Why not go to the portal, go get you another rental like Omar Norman Lott and add him to the group. Number three would be wide receiver. Um, the offense struggled in explosive plays this year. And sure, a lot of that's on the quarterback. The wide receivers are not absent to blame here, okay? The group did get better as the year went on. Dante Thornton was such a bust for much of the season, but then you moved him outside because of the injury to Brew McCoy, and you saw him really start to come into his own. And then unfortunately... He miss, he gets hurt and misses the last couple of games of the season. You hate to see that. But Dante Thornton was coming around. Chaz Nimrod, I thought, stepped up. I like Chaz Nimrod. I do. Caleb Webb stepped up and did some things as well. Squirrel White is a really good option in the slot. You will miss Ramil Keaton as he moves on. We'll see what happens with Brew McCoy. I think that's all dependent on his, um, his, his timeline in terms of his rehab process. But you saw how thin you were at that position towards the end of the year with injuries to Brew McCoy and to Dante Thornton. You saw how thin you were. You need you need a couple more bodies at that spot. And also wouldn't mind to have a playmaker with that group. Think about Javante Payton and Brew McCoy. They made some plays for Tennessee, and both those gets were out of the transfer portal. Number three is a wide receiver. Number two is offensive tackle. Simply put, Tennessee's not been settled at offensive tackle each of the past two seasons. Now 2022, you led the nation in total O and in scoring. Not too bad. 2023... You did not. Uh, nobody's going to be Darnell Wright, okay? He's top 10 pick. Uh, but Tennessee is losing Jeremiah Crawford, who's played so much football the last couple of years. John Campbell has an option to return, but will he? I don't know. Gerald Mincy's a redshirt junior. You would anticipate he's coming back. Dane Davis is a redshirt senior. It's likely that he comes back. Um, you don't have any depth behind those guys, though. You don't. I mean, Brian Grant has not been a factor whatsoever. Uh, Sham Umarov, he was a freshman this year. How quickly is he to helping and being a guy that can be counted on at the offensive tackle position? What about Mo Clipper from two cycles ago? You have no depth at offensive tackle, and you saw him dropping like flies this year. You need some bodies. How, how thin were you? Well, you had to put in a banged-up one-legged Gerald Mincy to go in and play the final eight snaps of the game against Georgia in a blowout in the fourth quarter. 
because you had no confidence in any other offensive tackle left on your roster. That's not good. Go out and get another tackle for the third straight transfer portal cycle. And number one, slam dunk, clear-cut, top priority has got to be tight end. Said it last offseason, saying it again. Right now, you have, looking ahead to 2024, now Jonathan Eccles will be there, so I guess this isn't completely true, but if you take away Jacob Warren and McCallum Castles, who are leaving because they're out of eligibility, you have one scholarship tied in on your roster, Ethan Davis, who I can't wait to see ball out, but he didn't play this year at all. He hardly played. He's got no experience. You need to go out and get you another. McCallum Castles was a steal out of the transfer portal. He was so good. And that spot with him and uh, Jacob Warren, not only we know about how important the position is, uh, inline, outline, H-back, hand in the dirt, pass catcher, run blocker. The tight end position is the outside of quarterback is the MVP of the offense. It truly is. That and center. Tight end position is the unsung hero because, again, if you haven't heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a million times, the tight end position allows Tennessee to go tempo because of its versatility. It doesn't have a substitute personnel. So it's so important. You have one scholarship tight end on the roster right now, aside from those two seniors. Jonathan Eccles will come in, so I guess, again, that's not too true. But you got to go out and find two tight ends, in my opinion, and one better have multiple years. That is 100% the biggest priority in the transfer portal for Tennessee this transfer portal cycle. All right. Whole lot of fun. Appreciate you guys for uh, listening here. We'll get in. We'll ask Josh Ward his opinion, all that and more for a little Ward Wednesday. That is coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. Do want to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, proud sponsor of the show. And these days, every new potential hire could feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidate within 24 hours. That is not bad. LinkedIn knows the small businesses are wearing so many different hats and might not have time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and, more importantly, even quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. As we do each and every Wednesday here on Locked On Balls, we welcome on Josh Ward for our Ward Wednesday segment. Josh, former host of Locked On Balls many, many moons ago, uh, current host of uh, Josh and Swain over at 99.1 The Sports Animal, noon to three. Check it out. Also, the Josh and Swain newsletter that you can subscribe to in the show description right now of this show. It's a free newsletter every Friday morning at about 8.30, and uh, a lot going on right now. The regular season's over, but, man, it's about to get crazy. We're, we're, we're coining it the silly season over here at On3. Um, it's about to get nuts, man, and so much of what's about to happen will determine what your team looks like in 24. Here we are, just days removed from the regular season and already looking ahead to 24. That's how it works. Uh, Grant Ramey, did he coin it the Fusilli-Jerry season? I think that's part of it as well. Um, this is this is the busiest time of the year for college football coaches, right? Wrapping up the recruiting cycle, the transfer portal, coaching staff decisions because – the coming and going takes place here in the next few days and few weeks and figuring out the roster for next year, plus a bowl game for a lot of these teams, including Tennessee. The The bowl game is like topic number 
three, four, or five. Yeah. yeah, I think for what happens over the next month. So uh, that's college football, and uh, I feel for coaches who have to uh, deal with everything that comes with it. Some are compensated a ton. Not all, though, are yeah. compensated like the ones we talk about the most. So keep that in mind as well. Also keep in mind, I mean, some of these assistant coaches, even some on Tennessee staff, like the, the new hires, the, the analysts promoted, you know, Ablin, Kelsey Pope, I mean, they're not making a lot of money at all. Now, they're making more money than you and I, and I would love to make what they're making, but – I mean, they're not making uh, – it's not millions and millions of dollars like everybody just assumes, right? I mean, so – Yeah, they're making a good living, but there's a difference in what some of the assistants are making in their six-figure salary, low six figures compared to you know, what a head coach is making in the five to seven to nine-plus million dollars. And coordinators make a ton. Some make seven figures. So uh, not all salaries are the same. I really feel for – the the lower power five schools, the group of five and below, because they don't have the same financial resources. They are the schools where their players are more likely, their top players are more likely to get plucked away, or they're having to re-recruit strongly to keep other schools from coming in. Uh, schools like Tennessee, I mean, that's who we're talking about the most, right? Tennessee is in a more advantageous position than a lot out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of come back to this subject real quick, but I do want to touch on the uh, the regular season finale against Vanderbilt. Uh, Tennessee did exactly what it was supposed to, right? Star of the mm -hmm. show on senior day was a six-year senior, Joe Milton. Um, should fans be frustrated that it, it took this long to see that, or should fans be happy for him to kind of end his last game at, at Neyland Stadium, a place that he chose to come to twice? I mean, he didn't pout and leave whenever he got his job taken away from him. Um, should fans be frustrated or happy for the, for that performance? I would say happy because that was an easy win for Tennessee. He put up big numbers. There were big plays for fans to see whether they were at the stadium or watching on TV. And also keep in mind what the competition was. If you're frustrated, I would say that the frustration should have set in a while ago, uh, not based on what he did against Vanderbilt, because he also went out there and looked great against UConn and, I'm not saying Vanderbilt is UConn, but it's not that big of a difference. Vanderbilt's closer to UConn than the top SEC teams that Tennessee played. Yeah. So uh, I would look at Vanderbilt for what it was. It's more of a group of five team than an SEC team, and Joe Milton treated Vanderbilt like that. Now, he performed better in that game than he has another group of five games or even like Austin P, an FCS opponent that came in earlier this season. But that's why I would say – yeah, you know, if you're frustrated with some of the way things went on offense or at quarterback this year, you figured that out before this past Saturday. It was a it was a good game for him to go out on as Tennessee's quarterback in Neyland Stadium, as well as for some of his teammates. The senior tight ends had a big day. Ramel Keaton had a big day, and that was really good to see. Yeah, it was. And um, if you're, I mean, you kind of said it there. Like I get Vanderbilt not very good and all that, but how in the world, Josh? Did Joe Milton not win SEC Offensive Player of the Week? I Iron Bowl, you know, Milrow, he ran for over 100, threw for 200 and something. I, I get it, good performance, and, and the way you won that game. But I mean, my goodness, you counted for six touchdowns. I I was in there Saturday night, and I'm like, I see what's happening at the Iron Bowl right now. This is gonna be hard to beat for this little weekly honor. Yeah, um, maybe the SEC office has reached the point at, at the end of the season where they're kind of viewing it like I am, saying, yeah. They're in the SEC, but that's not an SEC team. It wasn't on a big stage, and maybe that was part of it as well. But I kind of thought the same thing that you did is we saw the the Reese's Senior Bowl make Joe the Offensive Player of the Week. And that's around the country. So um, it, it was a great performance, historical, when you look at some of the numbers he put up. Career game for 
Joe himself, but then you look at the six touchdowns accounted for there. Uh, you just don't you don't see that type of performance anywhere against anybody. So it's a great performance. You would have liked to have seen more of of that, or at least closer to it in games that matter. But uh, yeah, Joe, Joe was more middle of the pack quarterback as opposed to at the top of the SEC, or certainly being in the Heisman conversation where he would jump into some during the preseason. He he wasn't that, but. He is physically talented. That's why he will get NFL looks, and that's why he was able to exploit a Vanderbilt team that had major issues. Not to make this a complete Joe Milton segment, but Joe Milton will 100% be embodied to the NFL Combine. And in my opinion, Josh, tell me if you think differently. I mean, somebody's going to get him in the first. I mean, his play probably reflects a round five, six quarterback, but he's going to go, I feel like, in the top three, maybe slip into the fourth round. I mean, somebody's going to just be goo goo gaga over him say he's the perfect fit it's already started we've already seen tweets like that he is going yeah. to be the talk of the nfl draft season he really is and i think he'll be a top three round quarterback is that too ambitious what, what do you think i don't i don't know if he will be but i won't be surprised at all if he goes off the board before day three so you have the first round on a thursday rounds yeah. two and three on friday and then four through seven on saturday i wouldn't be surprised at all if he goes before Saturday, if he does, my guess is probably more third round. Once you get to the second round, teams maybe look for needs and yeah. then come back to the quarterback position. Not many uh, teams take a quarterback in the second round, unless you're the Tennessee Titans who want to move up to get a mediocre hey, quarterback. Hey, uh, maybe they can draft Joe Milton and create real competition in <laughs> uh, in the franchise. But, uh, but you and I are aligned in that NFL teams are going to be wowed by some of the throws that he can make when they see him in person. Some of them already will have, but some will see him in, in person for the first time, and they'll say, oh, my gosh, that's a that's a quarterback, and they'll look at his talent and say, okay, we can work with that. And by the way, there are, look, look around the league in the NFL. You'll see a lot of players that are unimpressive at the quarterback position by NFL quarterback standards. Joe Milton will not look unimpressive when he goes out there on the field. So I'm not saying he'll be a starter. I'm not saying that he'll have NFL success on the field. But I'm confident that he will have multiple NFL teams that are interested in Joe Milton. All right. You're Josh Heupel. What is your number one priority as you kind of start the month of December? COVID seniors, a couple guys you need to have back. Finish off the class of recruiting, 2024. Um, recruiting your own players to stay on your team. You know, seeing players around the country announcing intent to enter the transfer portal. Where do you begin if you're Josh Heupel? Yeah, you really have to kind of pie chart it because – there are so many factors that are important for next year. I think my number one priority is Jordan Seaton, a five-star offensive tackle who I think can kind of change the direction of the offense when you have him come in, if he is as good as the analysts believe in the recruiting world, to go along with a five-star quarterback in Nico Iamaleava and then a five-star wide receiver coming in in this class as well. You can really start to build there. Uh, but behind Seton, I would say figuring out who's coming back and figuring out the most important players that have remaining eligibility, will they come back? Like Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays can change the direction of next season if he decides to return for one more year because of how good he is and because of the position that he plays. So Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans, Amari Thomas, where do you stand on the offensive and the defensive line of who's coming back? Because that can also help you determine who do we need to go get in the transfer portal? What are our remaining needs to find immediate help for next season? There are multiple position groups where that applies, 
What does Keenan Peely do at linebacker? Brew McCoy is a question at wide receiver, but I would start the conversation on the line of scrimmage because to me that is the biggest question mark for next year. And on the offensive line, it's so important because protecting Nico and keeping him healthy is a must for 2024. Yep. Um, you know, Brent Hubbs has said it a couple of times this week already. You know, what's your number one asset for your football program moving forward? It's your quarterback. He's your number one investment, but he's also your, your number one asset. And so wouldn't you think getting back a four-year starter, three-year starter at center that, you know, is arguably the most important player for this offense each of the past three years outside of the quarterback? Mm-hmm. I, I might start there with Cooper Mays. So it is, uh, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be the wild, wild west. Again, Sibley season is upon us. Transfer portal officially opens on Monday, December the 4th. We've already seen tons and tons of players announce their intent to enter the transfer portal. And, of course, you guys are going to be talking about it all with Josh and Swain, noon to 3. And what else is coming up on your newsletter uh, on Friday morning? Yeah, little hoops, too, with the North Carolina game. So by the end of the week, uh, or maybe even when you're listening to this segment, depending on when you tune in, we'll have the result there. But where this basketball team goes. And, uh, yeah, on to 2024, what needs to happen next. The bowl game will be a talking point, but the after-2023 season conversation is a bigger deal. And one thing I would add there to your point on Cooper Mays, that is more in Tennessee's control. Jordan Seaton is not. Recruiting him yeah. aggressively is in Tennessee's control, but his decision is up to Jordan Seaton. Tennessee has some control. If if Cooper's looking for a uh, reason to come back in IL dollars, Tennessee can help make that happen. So that is in Tennessee's control if you're trying to prioritize from that standpoint. So I think that's a good point. He is Josh Ward. You can find him on Twitter at Josh underscore Ward. Josh, appreciate it as always, man. You got it. Thank you. That is going to do it here for this edition of Locked On Vols. Big thanks to Josh Ward, as always, for tuning in. Big thank you to tuning in, you everydayers making the show what it is. The push to 10K on the YouTube channel, still just a little over 100 away. So let's get that here in the next week or so. And, of course, downloading us wherever you find your podcast. I uh, had a fun show today. Going to have a fun show tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. This is Locked On Vols.